before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, uh, you know, I uh, want to uh, put the people in Florida in our prayers today uh, because of uh, Hurricane Ian. That's going to be a, a tough challenge, uh, to say the least. Um, but I want to talk about the Nord Stream 2 and, you know, uh some of Biden's scary comments. So ABC News reported this. President Biden uh, said this. If Russia invades, then there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. So, number one, he he, he was mixing up his words again. Um, and you hardly knew what he was talking about. Like, Russia already invaded uh, Ukraine, number one. Number two, Zelensky just reported that he's getting $1.5 billion a week from the United States. So the reporter says, but how will you do that? How how you, uh, when, when President Biden said, if Russia invades, didn't say who, where, how, then there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. So, the reporter goes, but how will you do that exactly since the project is in Germany's control? And Biden said, I promise you, we will be able to do that. Let's let's take a listen to this because now that the Nord Stream 2 has been bombed, let's just call it what it is, somebody sabotaged the Nord Stream 2. Are these the people that are pushing green energy? Are these the same people that are involved with Hunter Biden's deal with Freeport McMorrin in the cobalt mine and Emirex, the battery manufacturer? Are they trying to cut off our food supply? Are they trying to cut off our energy supply, freeze us and starve us to death? Is that what the globalists are doing? 
It's a it's it's a fair question, folks. It's a fair question. Let's take a listen. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. What do you, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Let me answer this first. What, what, kind of, what kind of leader speaks like that? It's, it's just listen to it. It's dumb on how many levels is it dumb on? It's dumb on every level. So I replied to them. I said, cutting off the oil supply to Europe will be quite deadly. Joe Biden is a total moron. He will say and do anything to help Hunter's green investments with his Freeport McMorrin cobalt mine in Congo and China's battery manufacturer, Emirex, another Biden investment. But it goes beyond that. I mean, basically, you're talking about freezing Europe. It would be the dumbest thing. It would result in mass loss of life. It, it would be more deadly than many wars. Cutting off their energy supply is a is a non-starter. I don't think the Europeans understand if you cut off the Russian oil supply, how devastating that would be to their economy. Inflation. We're already seeing inflation because of energy supply shortages. You know, um, I read where the Keystone Pipeline would be generating 868,000 Barrels of oil per day, or was it per day? But uh, it was 860-something thousand uh, barrels. And if we had it, if we, if we had it running. Now, that being said, also, the, the kind of um, uh, pollution that's going into the Baltic Sea right now is also something. So in listening to Joe Biden speak, you have to wonder, did he pull the trigger on this? Because somebody blew up the Nord Stream 2. Somebody did. They're going to try to blame Russia again. Russia did it. Russia, Russia, Russia did it. I mean, how old and how tired and how stupid do you have to be to believe that Russia did it? I mean, do you remember when Trump was trying to get out of Syria? And we know that Russia and Syria have been in bed together since the 70s when the uh, Assad family took over the kingdom of Syria in the 70s. And Russia signed 50-year leases so that they could have their naval base, their largest naval base outside of Russia is in Syria. It's called Targus. And that's their strategic point in the Middle East. 
right off the Mediterranean, east of Cyprus. And so they have this large naval base. They have an agreement. They're allies, strong allies. And Lindsey Graham and John McCain were all over the place working with their mercenary group we like to call ISIS to protect the oil fields and the oil pipelines going into Europe and going south into Africa. And what was ended, what what was happening is Russia was competing against their interests of profitability. So they hated Russia. And then when Donald Trump said there's no reason for us to be in Syria. They were like, Trump just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the business model we have. No, Trump understood full well. He was like, we're going to end all this corruption. We're going to end it real quick. And he beat ISIS down. You know, he got rid of ISIS in two seconds. ISIS, just a bunch of pot smoking, cocaine, uh, heroin uh, addicts, the hippies that are that are running uh running as a mercenary group getting paid to kill people behead people and protect an oil well they just do what they're told they're useful idiots isis and trump knew it and they couldn't compete they they're not fighters they're not warriors they're just they're just a basic gang like a drug cartel protecting oil the other drug. You know, I always say the four commodities on the uh, world market, human trafficking, weapons, oil, and drugs. It's simple. No one's writing a check for this stuff. Everybody's trading. Nobody writes a check because it tra- traces back. But somehow it ends up in cash money, like Yogi Berra said, cash money. But that's, that's exactly what was happening. And it's not rocket science. It's just a bunch of corrupt politicians who are abusing their authority. It doesn't take a brain cell to figure out how to do a kickback. But it's immoral. It's unethical. It's illegal. It's criminal. And our politicians do it all the time. Fauci likes to call them royalties. Pushing these drugs. There was just a settlement yesterday. I just heard about it. Biogen. Biogen uh, settled for like a $162 million settlement because they were illegally telling doctors to push their drugs over someone else's drugs. And it was related to muscular dystri- uh, multiple scler- sclerosis. So, I mean, this thing is common. It's common in the pharmaceutical business. It's a dirty business, the pharmaceutical business. But I digress. But here's the thing. So this Nord Stream 2, so Russia, what, what again, what, they, they had control of the Iraqi oil field. And because there wasn't a government installed to protect it or to maintain it. It was chaos. It was like the Wild West over in Iraq there at the time, you know, in the, in the 2010, 11, 12, you know, that, that, that time zone, that time era. 
And and they were doing a lot of uh, business in Ukraine and setting up bio labs. Their oil, uh, there's a lot of oil deals going on because Ukrainians were getting their oil for free. The Ukrainian citizens were. And then Burisma got involved and they, they told Poroshenko to charge for their oil. And uh, Ukraine was just basically becoming a puppet country. And they were given weapons uh, by NATO in the black market so as to not upset Russia. So Russia couldn't point a finger at who the offender is or who the aggressor was. So, you know, if we give, um, if we were to give Ukraine nuclear weapons or, or javelin uh, tank busting missiles, um, Russia would say, hey, this is too aggressive. We, we feel threatened by you now. And so therefore we're, we're going to wage war, declare war against you. And that, that, you know, that, so they, they, they looked at the black market as a patriotic duty. But really, the black market was really like a bunch of mercenaries and terrorists wreaking havoc all over Russia. And the reason why they hate Russia so much in Syria, so when Trump wanted to pull out of Syria, for example, why are we there? It's not worth it. We're spending trillions of dollars. Yeah. Funding ISIS out of Benghazi and all of the, all the other things. And everybody was getting rich off this stuff, including McCain and Lindsey Graham. Spending a lot of time over there. Spending a lot of time in Ukraine. And why? They're representing South Carolinians. They're representing Arizonians. Why, why are they there? Can you explain? Help me. How about... Um, you know, um, Amy Klobuchar, who was, you know, over there, too, in Ukraine. So, you know, when Trump decided to pull out, what did they do? They had a chemical weapons attack in Syria. Oh, Russia did it. How about those two spies in England that were poisoned? Oh, Russia did it. How about that Russian hoax and, and, and the uh, hookers that were peeing, supposedly peeing all over Trump? In St. Petersburg, in Putin's hometown. Yeah, Russian did it. The Russians. They're constantly saying, Russia, Putin is the most evil devil. I looked into his eyes and I saw the devil. You know, again, they're making this stuff up, folks. They're blaming Russia for everything. And Putin's sitting back and... I don't know why he doesn't have a PR campaign to, to speak up against this stuff. But, you know, the, the, fact, the funny fact is, is that the people in charge are the ones that are censoring Russia. Russia is not in power right now. It's the globalists that are. They're controlling the media. They're controlling the narrative. They're controlling the message. And they control it through Facebook and through Twitter and through YouTube and through Google and through search engines. You know, that's why they don't like Telegram and uh, and the uh, Facebook uh, competitor, VK, um, which is like a Facebook for Russia. It's so much smaller, though. But they blame Russia for everything. And you now know why they are, because 
they're trying to cut out Russia from from their Russia was competing for their profit margins in the oil sector in Europe. And either they're going to get their oil again from Iraq, running it through Turkey and Syria, or they're going to um, push the green energy deal. And that's going to benefit people like Hunter Biden that invested in Freeport McMoran and Emirex. And Hunter Biden's given 10% to the big guy. And we all know that. So it's just, you know, this is an unbelievable situation because somebody blew up the Nord Stream 2. And now it's sending all kinds of toxic chemicals into the Baltic Sea. This is a massive, massive uh, catastrophe in the making. Somebody blew it up. Somebody did this. And people are aware. Radek Sikorsky, member of the European Parliament. Thank you, USA. Pedro Gonzalez writes, Russia did not attack its own pipeline. That is the stupidest regime talking point. The bottom line is that it is the Biden administration was behind this. And it appears so. It's effectively engaged in terrorism abroad. Americans have a responsibility to denounce their government. And I am denouncing it. I call these people dilator libs. They're libs who because... This is I'm reading from Pedro Gonzalez. I, I call these people dilator libs. They're libs who because they are weak pretend to be strong by aligning themselves with the GAE in the same way that trans women use dilators to pretend to be women. They have no natural conception of strength or capability to be strong. You know, they're pounding their chest, but they are. Let's see here. In the long term, we want to change global energy dependencies. Europe should be based on our enormous oil and gas reserves. There must be no more pipelines. It's time. So this is Condoleezza Rice in 2014. Let's take a listen to this. It's kind of interesting. Do you think Germany's been as aggressive as they should be? I'm quite an admirer of Chancellor Merkel, and um, I heard her statement when she was with President Obama in Washington. I thought it was a very good statement. Uh, but now we need to have uh, tougher sanctions, and I'm afraid at some point this is going to probably have to invo- involve oil and gas. Uh, the Russian economy is vulnerable. Eighty percent of Russian exports are in oil, gas, and minerals. Uh, people say, well, the Europeans will run out of energy. Well, the Russians will run out of cash before the Europeans run out of energy. And I understand that it's uncomfortable uh, to have an effect on business ties in this way. Uh, but this is one of the few instruments that we have. To, over the long run, you simply want to change the structure of energy dependence. You want to depend more on the North American energy platform, the tremendous bounty of oil and gas that we're finding in North America. You want to have pipe lines that don't go through Ukraine and Russia. Uh, for years, we've tried to get the Europeans to be interested in different pipeline routes. It's time to do that. And- well, and they are. They're working on a Danish uh, pipeline now to compete with Nord Stream. 
Um, but this is a this is an act of uh, aggression that if if it's found out, you know, we did it in a cowardly way, a very un-American way. We did it like a banana republic rogue state. We blew up the pipeline and didn't claim responsibility for it. How how often do terrorists blow up planes and nobody knows who really did it, right? We're we're acting like a terrorist organization right now. The Democrats are that evil. The Democrats are crazy. And this is their foreign policy strategy to act like a rogue state, turn America into a banana republic, fix and rig the elections. It's unbelievable. I can't believe that this is happening to America. And people are not fooled all around the world. People know that America did this. All you got to do is take a listen to the liar in chief. I mean, he's an absolute liar. Listen to this again. Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. But but how will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control, we will. Uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Wow! Just wow! Now here's the liar uh, talking about the stock market. Right? Let's take a listen, because the stock market, seven point six trillion dollar loss. All right, seven point six tri- trillion dollars in value since Biden took office. Somebody else reported that it was some more like eight point uh, something, like uh, uh, much higher than that. But let's uh, take a listen. A stock market, the last guy's measure of everything, is about twenty percent higher than it was when my predecessor was there. It has hit record after record after record on my watch. Stocks now down $7.6 trillion since President Biden took office. <laughs> he just lies through his teeth, right? So it, what can you say to that, right? Um, we're going to play a few clips here. Uh, time for President Biden to answer some questions about Hunter Biden's businesses. That's by James Comer. Uh, we're going to we're going to get that. Um, we're going to play another clip that's uh, going to be the weirdest and creepiest thing that Joe Biden has said in, during his administration. Also, uh, we're going to um, hopefully get to Rand Paul questioning uh, Christopher Ray, which I thought was kind of an interesting uh, expose. But first, we're going to actually uh, listen to Tucker Carlson's open. Um, I thought this was a particularly great open. Um, he talks about the Nord Stream 2. I think this is one of the biggest subjects and topics that we should be covering today um, because if this doesn't lead to World War III and nuclear war, I don't know what else could because I think, Russia, uh, I think Russia feels threatened enough now to where 
they are going to have to hit the red button. I mean, they are, they are, this is, this is everything to them. Their, their oil supply chain, and they should have thought about this before they invaded Ukraine, but I don't think that they thought that they, someone would blow up the Nord Stream 2 and poison the Baltic Sea at the same time. Nobody thought that a leader could be that stupid. But then again, people in Europe probably didn't realize how dumb Joe Biden really is. That's the problem, is Joe Biden's dumber than you could possibly ever imagine. But let's take a listen to uh, Tucker Carlson. To start a Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time, is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian-owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. But the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is, of course, an existential threat to humanity and the planet. So if you're worried about climate change, what just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the Prime Minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet, but we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is, who did it? And, of course, the prime suspect is obvious. It would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. That'd be Vladimir V. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the U.N., Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil, they tell us that he is evil, but is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you are Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth, and most critically, your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy, now more than ever, with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. 
In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right. But really only half right. It is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help Vladimir Putin. He would not do that. Why would he? But that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it. They would consider it. And we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public. In early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines. Watch. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But, do, but how, will you, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Notice how he phrased that. And he's the president. doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. He didn't say, I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out. We'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you we will be able to do it. They thought this through. And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That would be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going, She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable, clearly she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism, even for Toria Newland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January. With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. One way or the other, we'll stop Nord Stream. Now, looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU-USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer Anne Applebaum of The Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden that he's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately. And here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe. Given that it's an atrocity, it's effectively an act of terrorism, we don't want to make that accusation. 
But we should tell you that, maybe not coincidentally, today a brand new pipeline was unveiled. A pipeline that carries non-Russian natural gas in roughly the same area as Nord Streams 1 and 2. This is called the Baltic Pipe. It was inaugurated in Poland. It will carry natural gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and other countries nearby. And it's likely to do very well since now it has less competition. Making sense? What does the White House say about this? How are they accounting for what happened today? Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car. Uh, as you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy. And we have said this times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption and accelerate true energy independence by moving to clean energy uh, economy. Oh, moving to clean energy. Say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine. The people lecturing you about your SUV may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time and its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do. What do they do? They destroy these people build nothing, not one thing. Instead, they tear down and they desecrate from historic statues to the Constitution to energy infrastructure. And no one in Congress is trying to stop any of it. They're just preparing for the inevitable fallout. Tonight, the Senate just advanced a spending bill with $35 million for the Department of Energy to, quote, prepare for and respond to potential nuclear and radiological incidents in Ukraine. What? The spending bill also brings the total U.S. expenditure on Ukraine, the war, but also funding its government and energy for Ukraine to $67 billion on the eve of what could be a massive economic disruption here to our economy. $67 billion. How much is that? Well, it's more than Russia's entire military budget last year. And Congress is expected to fully pass the bill later this week with Republicans nodding along like the zombies they are. What will be the effect of this? Every action has a reaction, equal and opposite. Blow up the Nord Stream pipelines? Okay, we've entered a new phase. One in which the United States is directly at war with the largest nuclear power in the world. Doesn't mean it'll go nuclear immediately, but it does suggest there could be consequences. If we actually blew up the Nord Stream pipelines, why wouldn't Russia sever undersea internet cables? What would happen if they did that? What would happen if banks in London couldn't communicate with banks in New York? Just that one piece of it, leaving aside its potential effects on our power grid. But let's just say the banks couldn't communicate with each other for one day. What would the economic effect of that be? Oh, it would cascade downward into your house. We could have an actual collapse. We could wind up very quickly in third world conditions. Those are the stakes. Have the people behind this, the geniuses like Toria Newland, considered the effects? Maybe they have. Maybe that was the point.
Tulsi Gabbard is a former member of Congress from Hawaii who from the very first day, from February 24th, when this war began, has been saying the exact same thing, which is the stakes are very high here. Maybe we should acknowledge that before we proceed heedlessly forward. We're honored to have her join us again tonight. Congressman Woman, thank you so much for coming on. What, uh, what do you make of this? Uh, we're reminded once again, Tucker, that we are unfortunately being led by leaders who are selfish and short-sighted and don't care about the American people. They are leading us further and further into war without understanding one of the most basic tenets and characteristics of war, which is it is unpredictable. Uh, once that first shot is fired, once that first punch is thrown, the, the predictable nature of things, you can plan for things, but it by nature becomes unpredictable. And so they're, they're like, oh my gosh, this thing has become sabotage. Well, yeah, war is unpredictable. The thing that is not unpredictable, however, is the cost of war, the suffering, the devastation, the destruction, the death that is caused by it. And so the real question for the American people and for us to ask our leaders is how much suffering will we have to endure here in this country and for people around the world? Because as you've so clearly stated, we see a sabotage of an energy pipeline today. What's next? Is it access to the Internet? Is it satellites that are connected to GPS that power virtually all parts of our life and also our weapon systems? Go on down the line and we end up with this potential nuclear outcome. Yeah, that's uh, that couldn't be. Uh, that is really the biggest threat, isn't it? They can cut our internet uh, connections. Uh, they can cut uh, cut out our GPS devices. And why wouldn't they? You knock down Nord Stream two, and uh, against Russia, the 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 biggest nuclear arsenal in the world. And you expect nothing? You know, the Democrats keep on saying that Putin is evil. Well, look at how evil Biden is. That he would just, and, and, and Victoria Nuland and, and our State Department. That's dirty play, man. That's hitting below the belt. And against Russia? And you expect Russia to do nothing? You know, the fact of the matter is, is that if this continues, you're going to have China get involved. And China and Russia are already aligned with each other. So, so what next? This is, this is going nowhere good, trust me. And you have a compromised... You have a absolutely compromised uh, commander in chief right now. Let's take a listen to this. Time for President Biden to answer some questions about Hunter Biden's businesses. This is James Comer. Let's take a listen to this. This resolution of inquiry requires President Biden to hand over documents in his possession that are related to the Biden family's international business schemes and influence peddling. Oversight Republicans' ongoing investigation has revealed the Biden family has peddled excess to the highest levels of government to enrich themselves, and unfortunately, often to the detriment of U.S. interests. By passing this resolution of inquiry, we will provide the American people with much-needed transparency to understand the Biden family's businesses. It 
is time for President Biden to answer some questions about his participation in his family's business schemes with some of our most significant adversaries for years, including the China, the Chinese Communist Party. For far too long, James and Hunter Biden have faced no accountability for their deal-making with shady and CCP-connected associates. Now, there's a lot of talk about Hunter Biden. It's often easier to just ignore the story than to consider what has been revealed since Joe Biden told the American people he never even discussed his son's business dealings with him. We know Hunter's closest business partner, and who was later appointed by the Obama-Biden administration White House to, to a position in the federal government, visited the White House and other official locations while Joe Biden was vice president. The same person, Eric Sherwin, became president of Hunter's company, Rosemont Seneca, and wrote checks to Hunter Biden from the vice president's account because the vice president owed Hunter money. We know that meetings included sit-downs with then-Vice President Biden in the West Wing with foreign billionaires with whom his son was arranging business. We know that the Biden family has done deals with China worth millions of dollars. Those deals were arranged by individuals with direct ties to Chinese intelligence. Hunter Biden himself called his client, quote, the spy chief of China, unquote. We know that then-U.S. Deputy Chief of Mission to Ukraine, George Kent, emailed State Department officials in 2016 to alert Washington that Hunter Biden's business dealings were undercutting the United States' anti-corruption mission in Ukraine. We know James and Hunter Biden told their business associates that if they did business with them from 2017 to 2020, they would reap the rewards and profits under a Biden administration, even before Joe Biden announced he would run for president. And, of course, we know President Biden has told the American people repeatedly that he does not know anything about Hunter's business dealings. He even said that again in the 60 Minutes interview this week. We need to know if this pay-to-play between Hunter and the now-current president and foreign entities has continued. For years, US, the U.S. government has warned that high-end art sales have been the perfect vehicle to launder money or pay indirectly for access of favor. To his credit, Hunter seems to be reading the memos. And when Joe Biden became president, overnight, overnight, Hunter Biden became one of the highest paid artists in America, listing works of art for 75000 to even half a million dollars. We know he sold at least five paintings for $75,000 a piece. Today, we still don't know who bought Hunter's art. The Democrat Party the Biden administration, big tech, the swamp, even Hollywood and others have done everything in their power to run cover for the Biden family. Twitter removed the Hunter Biden laptop story just weeks before the 2020 election. The FBI put Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook on notice. With a wink and a nod, the FBI told the tech giant to be on the lookout for Russian disinformation. Then the platform suppressed the laptop story. Meanwhile, the Treasury Department, shortly after Joe Biden took office and Republicans began looking deeper into Hunter Biden's activities, changed its policies regarding suspicious activity reports, or SARS. The Biden administration changed the rules to severely restrict Congress to access to suspicious activity reports with no explanation. And remember, Maxine Waters filed legislation that passed the House later to change that back to where Congress could have access to SARS. I supported that. So I don't support many of Maxine Waters' bills. 
but I supported that bill. As I've stated before, Hunter Biden and other Biden family members have racked up at least 150 suspicious activity reports for their shady foreign business dealing. That number of SARS is simply unheard of in the banking world, and I was a director, I was a director of a bank for over a decade. We must have access to this information to see if Joe Biden has benefited from his family's dealings with foreign adversaries. If the Democrats vote against this resolution, then they are continuing in their coordinated effort to shield a potentially compromised president from necessary congressional oversight. They, of course, have been doing this for two years. Since a cabinet-level Biden administration official has not testified before the full committee, this entire Congress, zero cabinet officials in the Biden administration have testified before this committee for two years. We must shed light on the Biden family's international business schemes to determine if they're a national security threat. I look forward to us joining together to conduct oversight, ensure our national security, and strive for transparency in the government for the American people. Amen. All right. So that's, that's good stuff right there. Uh, take a listen to this. This is, this is quite entertaining. Uh, actually, no, we're not going to have time for that. I want to I actually play the uh, um, Rand Paul exchange with uh, Christopher Ray and switch gears. Uh, the one that we're going to forego is uh, a fun piece uh, that's basically talking about Joe Biden's gaffe, where he, he was talking about how far he goes back with this one woman who uh, he was 30, she was 12, <laughs> which was absolutely insane to, to, for him to have said that. Um, I want to play a couple of other clips. Now the U.S. bank digital currency would not be anonymous. Okay, let's take a listen to Jerome Powell first. We think that there are four characteristics of if we were to pursue a CBDC, it would at a minimum have the following four characteristics. First is intermediated. Second is private, privacy protected. But third is identity verified. So it would not be anonymous. It would not be an anonymous bearer instrument. And fourth is transferable or interoperable. So the problem with that is if it's not, you know, cash is anonymous. If you, if you pay with cash, it, your transaction is anonymous. But what they're saying is that we're going to digital currency. And, you know, it's interesting, too. Uh, somebody had said to me the other day, did you see the pound? They said, well, the, the, the pound and the dollar are almost even now. And I was like, wow. You know, it used to be that, you know, the pound uh, against the dollar was like, I don't know, 1.7, something like that. The euro was like 1.25 or 1.4, 1.5. But now what we're seeing is the dollar, the euro, and the pound all coming out almost even. Think about that for just one moment. Do you think that's by chance? Do you think it's by accident that that's happening? Or do you think the globalists are getting together trying to um, get the, get the uh, currencies in alignment so that the transition to digital currency goes smoother. I think it's that. And what we just heard Jerome Powell say is it's not going to be anonymous. 
It's going to be tied to your carbon footprint. It's going to be tied to every single thing you do. And that's scary. You know, again, they, they were telling, telling us that Georgia Maloney from Italy is a fascist. Listen to this, uh, listen to this woman, um, the uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand, uh, talk about uh, COVID. Listen to the tone and the language that she uses. The most up-to-date information daily. You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, you can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information, do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear, covid19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. We will share everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. Uh, and so I really ask people to focus on that. So... You know, she's basically a single source of truth. Believe us. Don't believe anybody else. Everything else is a lie. This is from a real globalist right here, a globalist communist. This this woman is a train wreck of an individual running New Zealand into the ground. And this is what they want. And George Maloney ran and won on family values. And individuality, liberties, freedoms, civil rights. More globalism. Meet Morgan Vig. Made the greatest innovation of our lifetime. She discovered a bacteria that can break plastics down into harmless enzymes. She was nominated for Times uh, Person of the Year, but lost out to Greta Thunberg. And that would have been a real contribution to society. Uh, another thing that I wanted to report, uh, Cheney, uh, Liz Cheney fuels talk of independent running, uh, running as an independent. And she thinks that somehow she's going to have enough conservative votes to steal that away from say Trump and, you know, basically play a Ross Perot in the 92 election in 1992, Ross Perot ran as a third candidate and cost Herbert Walker Bush his re-election against Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton won with a minority of the vote, uh, less than 50%, and <clears throat> and uh, but he won only because Ross Perot took a lot of votes away from Herbert Walker Bush, which in hindsight probably wasn't such a bad deal because Herbert Walker Bush was more of a globalist than even Bill Clinton. Um, but, uh yeah. But so she thinks that that's going to happen. I said, well, she'll get more Democrats than Trump supporters. So thank you, Liz Cheney. She'll get more Democrats. She'll she'll get more Democrats than Republicans, especially Trump supporters. And everybody in the Republican Party right now is supporting Donald Trump. And 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 uh, DeSantis as well. But uh, in any case, uh, We'll we'll be we'll be good either way, uh, that's for sure. Um, all right, so I wanna I wanted to play a little bit of this clip. This is uh, we we actually don't have enough time. Um, I wanted to play the opening anyway. Let's uh, this is Rand Paul. Let's take a listen. We're concerned about that dystopian future. What it might mean? Big Brother invaded our privacy, our homes, our communications. 
But defenders of privacy took some consolation in the fact that the technology didn't exist for two-way TVs and so much of it seems so futuristic. Now U.S. intelligence agencies have the ability to record and listen to every phone call in the world. We've sometimes collected phone calls from an entire country for an entire month at a time. We even have done it here at, in, at home in America. For years, the NSA collected millions of Americans' data without first in having an individualized warrant. James Clapper notoriously lied, as we all know, to Congress about this massive surveillance program. He's now paid to deliver highly partisan rhetoric on a left-wing news outlet. Many in the FBI have been accused of uh, bias. Some have been convicted. Some have been let go. McCabe, Klein-Smith, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page. So it's kind of hard to argue that somehow we can get people in the FBI that are above bias. It's, it seems to be something that goes with the territory. Maybe it was a bad spate of time where we had a whole bunch of them all at once. But it's a problem. When we investigate a presidential campaign, I think it's important that we realize the potential for bias that exists in the people bringing an investigation forward, but also incredibly important that we should devolve or, or at least consider using the Constitution and not using uh, warrants that are used on foreigners. So we have two different uh, standards. We have a constitutional standard, which is typically used for Americans, where we use the Fourth Amendment. And the Fourth Amendment says you have to have probable cause you know, of a, of a crime. The, the FISA court uh, standard is not a Fourth Amendment. It's an extra constitutional standard. It's less than the Constitution. It's probable cause of being uh, associated with a foreign government. The problem is, is that when we have presidential candidates, they're all going to have foreign policy advisors. Most of them will have longstanding history in either government of some sort. They'll have people who do talk to foreigners all of the time. So you can see how... So he goes into uh, that... And of course, the answer he gets from Christopher Ray is like a non secular, you know, sequitur answer. As yeah, what did he say? Um, but basically, uh, they they get into the you know the, the, all the raids that the FBI is doing without probable cause. They're using FISA warrants uh, standards over um, the Fourth Amendment standard, and uh, that's one of the problems that needs to be corrected in our law enforcement. And I thought that was a, a really good statement that he made. Um, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out tacticalcivics.com to find out how you can take your country back locally. Uh, they, they, uh, portray, uh, present their roadmap for that. Uh, also be sure to check out Magapac, magapac.org to find out how we're advancing America first policies. Use red state, over at my pillow is your promo code. We'll see you next time. Just to bury my kids right up to there.